Let's read from uh, the scriptures that are in the base of my uh, the text for my messages uh, this morning. Uh, by the way, there's no overhead, so you'll have to look at your Bible. I'm sorry about that. But listen carefully if you uh, your, your Bible is left at home or whatever. Psalm 73 and verse 25. I might just give a little bit of an explanation about the psalm. We've been doing uh, psalms for this last month, and particularly those psalms that were the psalms of David. Well, David had a buddy, I guess we could call him a buddy or a brother, named Asaph. You've probably seen that in your Bible as you've read through the Psalms. And Asaph wrote uh, many, many of the, the Psalms. Most of his Psalms differ a little bit from David's, where we were talking before about David's Psalms, that quite often what, the, what David will do is talk about the Lord, and then he'll move into talking to the Lord, and then perhaps even come back and talking about the Lord again. Asaph's is a little bit different than that because of personalities. And we can pick up these personalities as we go through our Bible reading and see that they're a little bit different from one another. And Asaph is a different man. He was also a very well-known poet, poet, singer, and worshiper uh, during David's time. His style is focusing more on the judgments of God, his righteous acts, dealing with the sins of his people as well as the nations around. But he always ended up with a focus, either at the beginning or at the end, on the Lord himself and who he is. So he was a true worshiper in the psalms that he sang, not just looking at the trouble around us. And so the first part of this psalm is looking at the bad situation. But he breaks into, in verse 25, saying, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I have no one else that I desire I desire nothing on earth besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my inheritance, my reward forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish, come to destruction will end. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. God being so close to me, that's a good situation. And we we can bring you, God, into our lives, our troubled lives, the things that we're facing. The nearness of God is my good. I have made God, the Lord God, my refuge. 
that I may tell of your works. Asaph was a worshiper of God and knew the perspective of someone who was a worshiper of the Almighty God. Whom have I in heaven but you? This psalm ties in very nicely with the psalm that we had last week in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 closes with, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to talk about heaven today. Now, you know that I'm famous for starting a message and not finishing it and carrying it out for one or two or three weeks later. I have no guarantees today, but I think I'll have it pretty much compacted down. Because there's so much that we could talk about, it would take us a year to really understand what is heaven all about. But I hope that it will whet your appetite to seek out what is heaven, what do we know about it from the Old Testament, and what do we know about it from the New Testament, and combined, being able to understand where is our real home. I said that we're from Linden, Washington, and none of you have ever heard of that before, other than meeting me. Well, maybe Kent has. Oh, yes. Kent lives 15 miles from Jerusalem. I mean, from uh, <laughs> Linden. But we could study heaven our whole life. And what is so beautiful about the Old Testament and New Testament is that it converges to that place. Everything converges toward that. That's where we're going. You know, we've talked in the past about where are you? Where did you come from? But we're talking about where are we going? And that's exciting. Everybody likes to... In fact, I'm going to... Tell a little thing on Melissa. This morning I asked her, you know, are you ready for your vacation? Because she's thinking it's summer already because it's uh, 70 degrees. It's not. Okay. But anyway, she said, I bought my ticket. Well, she's got several months before she can leave, but she's all excited she's got the ticket. (laughs) Anyway, that's the way we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Do you have your ticket? Aren't you excited about it? Isn't that something to give you hope for when you go through that bad week when everything seemed to be going differently? We're not really, as Christians, we're not of uh, so heavenly-minded that we're of no use here on earth. But it sure does help for us to have that view, that perspective, that, no, this isn't all we get. Heaven is our reward. It's our home. But I want to point even more specifically. Asaph says, but as for me, 
the nearness of God is my good. Heaven and hell are real and we have to look at it, the, the two of them. And so in order to really talk about heaven, I would not be honest to be able to say, well, that's what it's all about. Because there is another place. And there only are two places. It's only heaven or hell. Now that sounds like a very... uh, Isn't there anything in between? Not as far as what the scriptures teach. It's either or. Now that might put a fear and a, a concern for us because many of us have loved ones, children, mothers and fathers, dear, dear friends. They're headed, we know, toward that negative place, to that place of death. So I want to just give us a picture of what the opposite is of what we expect and we're looking for in the promises of Jesus Christ and his word. Jesus used the words Hades and Gehenna to describe hell. And that was a, Gehenna is a, a specific place on earth. However, we cannot find traces of it in that valley of Hinnom, which is just south of Mount Zion. But during Jesus' time, that is where, if there wasn't a burial for those that they had crucified, they would take them to the valley of Hinnom and burn their bodies. So when Jesus talked about Gehenna, his listeners knew what he was talking about. And he talked about the hell fire. And that was very sobering to the people. It was very obvious to them what he was talking about. He says, that is what it is going to be like for those who do not recognize the living God and recognize me as the Son of God. In me is life, he said. I am the resurrection and the life by me. Anyone who confesses shall receive eternal life. That's his promise to us. That's the balance that we need in looking at our lives. And where are we going? Jesus also, and the Bible also teaches that there are three heavens, actually. When they use the word heaven in the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the most common use of heaven is our atmosphere. The atmosphere around us, this earth. Like, for instance, the, the verse that says, 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. He's not saying that heaven, the bigger scope, is going to pass away. No. But this earth and its atmosphere, according to what Jesus said, will pass away. It'll be no more. We'll get to that verse just a little bit here. The other definition or the word is defined as the starry host or the where the stars. And you know, we're learning a lot about that, uh, what I'd say is the second heaven. You know, the, uh, the telescopes that we've got now that are looking deep, deep, deep into space. And they are discovering things that do not really uh, answer the questions of evolution. They thought that if they could see that far, they would know that uh, evolution is a fact. In fact, there are many things that are contradicting the evolutionary theory by the fact that we can see deep into space into the second heaven. I don't think there's a telescope yet that's able, though, to reach to the third heaven. And that is where God dwells. The Bible often refers to it as the highest heaven. And so heaven is far beyond where what our world is. When it said God created the heavens and the earth, that doesn't mean he created his dwelling place. It means he created our atmosphere and our earth. And we are earthbound. And we are built to live here. But we're also built to live forever. And so we also have then Jesus saying that we are, we are uh, he says uh, to his disciples, I am going away, but you know the way. And Thomas said, we don't know the way. Where is the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was the bridge, or he is the bridge, that leads to the eternal home, our his heaven, where we will dwell forever. There will be a, a new earth, a new heaven for us. And I believe that, like we talked about a few weeks ago, that this earth God had created as a home for us. It would have been our heaven, except that sin entered in and it had to be destroyed. And that's the ultimate end of what will happen. Heaven is our home. We will be with Jesus, with all those saints who have made them, made Jesus their Savior. We live on this earth temporarily, but he has promised a new heaven and a new earth. And as we look forward to that, and you know this past week or so, 
we have been reminded again of what the consequences of sin and death are. But we're experiencing firsthand God's grace and mercy to us, that there is an escape from this earth. And Setsko and Todd, I think, have experienced a taste of heaven along with the rest of us and allowed us to see that and understand where Setsko's mother is now. Because of the fact that there was that faithfulness of the Lord in his promises. And we were able to share with Setsko's relatives the fact that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And all who put their faith in him are guaranteed on his word, guaranteed they would be in heaven. That's our promise. I will go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. John 14, 2 and 3. So many of us are, are bound to earth as a place where we are putting all of our energy and all of our resources into making this a wonderful place. And you know what? I don't think God is judging that because he's put in our hearts as human beings a desire for home. All of us desire a home. And even in praying for Kirsten's daughter this morning, it hurts our hearts to hear a daughter leaving home and not contacting. But we believe for your your daughter, Kirsten, that God has put in her heart a desire for home and that she'll find Jesus as the nearness of God, the, uh, the nearness of God being her good. Amen. So, home is a very, very, I think, yes, sentimental place. It's a place we love. It's 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 comforting and and, and uh, security. Our feelings. That's our instinct to find a home. But our real home is far beyond, far, far beyond the scope of this earth. And I want to be where Jesus is. Don't get so used to the things of this world that the things of heaven don't draw us there. We need to learn to live as eternal beings, knowing that we will someday spend eternity together. But the, the most wonderful thing about heaven, the most wonderful thing 
That is where Jesus is. And knowing his presence here through the Holy Spirit put in our hearts should be the thing that carries us through all of our troubles. Yes, we're going to, possibly all of us are going to die a physical death. But the most exciting part is you can kill this body, but you can't kill this faith that I have in the life and power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is my goal. He is my home. And we'll stand around the throne of the Lamb who's in the midst and praise Him. That might sound like, well, that sounds kind of boring. We're just going to be singing up there? No, I believe we, we like earth. Heaven is going to be, I mean, how do we describe it? It's going to be wonderful. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting every, well, I don't think the, I was going to say every second. There's no time there. So it'll be exciting just to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? All of us could be there. Plus all of our relatives, as we share the gospel with them, that would be, you know, if you knew uh, someone very, very famous, and they came to your house, wouldn't you want to call the neighbors and say, Guess who's at my house? Come on over and see who it is. That's the way, that should be our excitement. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the one who died and gave himself for me. I want to be with him. And I want you to be with him too. That's what the Christian life is about. And this is our opportunity to prepare. And we're going on a journey. Have you bought your ticket? And that is the security of knowing that your sins are forgiven. You've placed that in the trust of the promise of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, every one of us, anyone, whosoever believes in him, receives him, trusts him, shall have everlasting life, and they will not perish. Perish, I think, is akin to saying, you will not land or end up in Gehenna. Perish is that we are going to live beyond the grave. And that place that they, they talked about, that Jesus talked about, where people were killed and burnt in an everlasting fire, and the worm did not die. But they would have 
they would not end up in that place. Because beyond death, Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me shall be with me in heaven. That's God's promise to us. Here's some verses about heaven that describe 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 12. I believe Paul's talking about heaven here. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but when I will know fully, just as also I have been fully known. What that's saying is, we know each other, we recognize each other, we recognize the faces of our friends, but you don't really know who we are. We don't know the, the person's inside. And oftentimes, we don't let ourselves be known to one another. But it says in heaven, we'll be recognized for who we are. I don't know what my glorified looks or body will be like, but you'll be able to see my personality, my who I am, the core of my being. Because we'll be fully known as we have been known. And that's our hope as well. That we won't have to put on a facade. We won't be uh, in danger of being talked about behind our backs because everything's out in the open. I want to live like that. The bondage that we have as people is that we still live with our own sin. Jesus has taken it away. But there are things that we don't need to confess to one another. There are things that we need to confess, but not everything. But who knows us better than anyone? The nearness of God is my good. He knows me. He knows you. And he's redeemed you. He's removed your sin. But we'll be known as we have been known here on earth. Heaven also says we'll receive a new name. A new name that describes who we are. My earthly name does not describe who I am. I don't know where my parents got Ronald. I didn't like that name until Ronald Reagan came along. (laughs) And I certainly don't want to tell you what the L stands for in my middle name. I don't like that name. I don't know why I don't like it. But I'm looking forward. Are there other people that don't like your name? What? You changed your name? Good for you, Flossie. What is it, Agnes or what? Okay. Okay, we'll just leave it right there, okay? 
But see, we're looking for a new name. And we're being promised that we'd have a new, new name in heaven. And that will perfectly describe who we are. Isn't that a great uh, incentive? I want to know what my name is. He already knows what it is. We'll have sanctified bodies. 1 John 3, 2. Uh, Let's turn to that. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as as he is. Katie says uh, that you know the the uh, statement that seeing is believing. You've heard that phrase, seeing is believing. She says, no, this verse means seeing is becoming. We'll be like him. We're becoming like him. Wow. I will be like Jesus. That's my hope. It's written here. When we see him face to face. And we've talked a lot about face to face encounters. And how that heals us thoroughly as we as human beings can look one another in the eye, and particularly to our little children, looking eye with eye contact, what that builds in them of their psyche and their, their own personal understanding of who they are. But when we see Jesus, we're going to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. That'll be wonderful. That is heaven. Revelation 20 and verse 12. We're going to get into some little deeper stuff here. I don't think uh, BCF, BSF has uh, gotten that far yet, have they? Whereas, no, you haven't gotten to chapter 20? You're at 14? Well, hurry up and get to 20, because I'd like to hear what uh, BSF has to say. And once you've got a handle on that, Kyoko and Muddy, and whoever else is a BSFer, let us know what you learned about heaven. Chapters 20, 21, and 22. Focus on this. And this is where I could spend a whole year. Read these. When you're feeling like life is the pits, when you're feeling like, what are we here for? Struggling along. Get into Revelation 20, 21, and 22. And in a few weeks, ask a BSF friend to, to help 
you understand what that means. By the way, they don't have the corner on this. We can, we can learn this right now. There are a lot of tools that we have that we can understand these chapters. Spend some time in those chapters. There is a special blessing to people who will open this book and read it and understand it. Why? Because it's preparing us to be with Jesus. Revelation 20, 15. Oh, I, I didn't read the tw- uh, verse 12. Okay. I'm going to actually read 20, 11, and 12. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the, the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were writ, written in the books, according to their deeds. And then skipping down to verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire or hell. Our names are written down in the book of life. We want to be sure of that. We want to be certain of that. That that is where our names appear in heaven. It doesn't matter whether it's on the Shiak Show uh, record or on your birth certificate. But it sure does make a lot of sense for us to make sure it's in the book of life. And the only guarantee for that is having received Jesus Christ as Savior, that your sins are washed away. You've been clean and you're part of the family of God. And then God himself is among them. Revelation 21, 3. There are a lot of things that are not going to be in heaven. There will be no tears, death, mourning, crying, pain. 21, 4. Revelation 21, 4. There will be a river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. 20, chapter 22 and verse 1. A river of the water of life flowing through heaven. And on either side, guess what's there? A tree. A tree is there. The name of that tree is the tree of life. Where have we heard about that tree before? In Genesis, chapter 2, the tree of life was there. We're going to be eating of that tree of life. That was taken off of earth and reserved for the new heaven and the new earth. There will be no curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be there. 
And this will not be a judgment place for us. It'll be one of life for us. Come, come to me, Jesus says. And he's inviting us to come, ultimately to be gathered around his throne. And for us, that will be a place of rest. Not laying back and sleeping for all eternity, but rest from our burdens, our troubles, so that we will be liberated souls and be able to walk in openness and not have a weight around us. This is going to be spoken about next week as you hear from my son. He will astound you (laughs) with this knowledge and understanding. Ken, sorry to build you up so much, but uh, (laughs) we will see his face. We already talked about that. There will be no sun, no moon, for God's glory will be our light. We don't need a sun. We don't need a moon. Because we have Jesus. There is no darkness there. And that is worth seeing and experiencing and living in. There will be no night. Okay, and one more thing that I think we need to talk about is in our relationships with one another, they'll all be changed. Because it says that there'll be no marriage there. We're not getting a divorce, son. <laughs> We're becoming perfect with Jesus. That means that there is no person, even though God instituted marriage, there's no person that can fully fulfill the needs of a man or a woman. Never. Don't find your hope in that. Know that in Jesus Christ, he is your peace. He is your fulfillment. He's the one that loves you more than any other person could. That doesn't mean, well, okay, we all just go out and we become uh, bachelors or spinsters. Do we know what that word means? I bet the twins back there don't know what a spinster means. They don't? Anyway, you don't. They do. You do. Okay. Okay. Be careful. The Lord is our bridegroom. We are his bride. It's hard to imagine, particularly for us as men, to think, I'm going to become a bride? Yes, I am going to be part of the bride. And so are you, if you know Jesus Christ. That's the joy that fills our heart, is that we'll be free. And the pleasure and the experience of heaven is going to engulf us. It'll be perfect. We'll love it. I was just trying to wet your... appetite this morning, so I hope that you will look at 
heaven. Think about heaven. Don't make it too late, okay? Because there are things that we need to know before we get there. And particularly for those of you who perhaps haven't had an opportunity to know Jesus Christ. We would love to share with you how very simple it is to enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. Our Lamb, the one who died for us and gave himself for us. So in that relationship, we enter right into heaven, into his presence. Hallelujah. That's a joy. That's our, that's our goal in life.